It doesn't seem like you're doing anything. Help us to give us the ability to see beyond the natural into the supernatural that where it doesn't seem like you're doing anything, you are working on our behalf. So Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes that we may be able to see that which you're doing in the supernatural. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, Tara, hey, guys, congratulations. What? Married, newly married, about to be married in that back row. How's that? Hey, honeymooners, welcome back. Good to have you guys. Got it. And uh, Tara, for those, you know, we, we think that everybody's been here for years. Some of you are newer to the church. Uh, Tara was in fifth grade when we first came here. My wife had her in Millstone for music as a music teacher. And uh, you came here as a fifth grader and to watch you develop, mature, so proud of you and so honored that today we get to partner in ministry. If you haven't read the bulletin yet and you're wondering what we're talking about, uh, today at 4, 4.30 over in Building B, there is a Spanish church that meets in Building B called La Senda. And I'm going to be speaking at the 4.30 service and Tara is going to be doing the translating. So Hey, if, if you want to come at 4.30 today to encourage the Spanish church, uh, it will be translated. Uh, come. I know our missions director, uh, Fabian Calapuch, will be there as well. So it would be like a little homecoming for all of us. And uh, if you want to come out at 4.30 over in Building B to be a support to the Lacenda Church, we uh, welcome you to do that. It's going to be... I, I'm going to feel... Yeah, I don't know how I'm going to feel. All I know is you better make me sound good. I know. You better get in there that your pastor is handsome or something without you. Um, <laughs> all right. Hey, originally, this series on Elijah was designed to go four weeks. And last week, uh, we were in... 2 Kings chapter 6, which is my favorite season of Elijah's life. I, I love 2 Kings chapter 6. And I said we just can't end the series there. We push back the battle of the mind, which is designed for your pastor, which you'll hear today, uh, a couple weeks. And I want to finish uh, chapter 6 over this next two weeks. If you were with us in week 1, we were burning plows, talking about a ridiculous commitment in week two, we were digging ditches, talking about a ridiculous faith. In week three, we were talking about a ridiculous provision. Remember, we were collecting jars. Well, last week, we were digging snow along with, hey, thank God that we have the availability today to do uh, services at home. But come on, there's nothing like in person. I, I mean, I, I just love being able to gather with the family of God. And thank God that years ago, it would have just been a snow day. 
But with the technology today, we could come into your home uh, through the internet and have an in-house service. And we talked about a floating axe head. Today, we're going to talk about ridiculous sight. Ridiculous sight. Are you ready? Come on, tell me what you see. Come on, what do you see? A what? A duck? A rabbit? A what? Both? No? Anybody else? Okay, how many see a rabbit? How many see bunny? How many see both? Oh, yeah. Are you getting it yet, Lurie? Let me give you the key. What do you see? A duck? Okay, you see a duck. Now, listen. There is a rabbit. And when I first saw this, I got so upset because it called duck rabbit. It said duck rabbit. And I couldn't see the rabbit. And I started getting very frustrating. Very, very frustrating. And in fact, I got so frustrated, I started to stress. And how do I satisfy stress? Through chocolate. And as I started to crave chocolate, I saw the bunny. See the beak? The beak are the bunny's ears. Oh, yeah, it's a chocolate bunny. <laughs> you got to turn your head a little bit. Yeah, and as soon as I started craving chocolate, I saw the rabbit, and I was like, oh, I just wanted to break off the ears. That's the first thing. All right, a lot of you know. Come on, you know the question already. Half empty, half full. How many see it as half empty? Come on, all you pessimists. Thank you for your honor. Me and Joe, it's just you and I, man. You, you and I are the pessimists, you know. How many see it half full? Yeah, and all you other, it's two-thirds. Yeah, okay, let's stop. Here we go. It's all based upon perception, isn't it? A lot of things in life is all based upon perception of how we see something. And the main theme in our passage of scripture today is this how you view a situation can change your entire life how you view a situation how you look upon it either negative or positive can change your entire life we're in second kings chapter 6 Starting with verse 8. And I want to talk about an overwhelming enemy. How you know, many know that there is an enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And he goes about like a roaring lion. Well, in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8, we read how the king of Aram was at war with Israel. And what we get from this is, yes, there's another skirmish in the Middle East. But in some of your translations, let me just give you a little heads up. It may say the king of Syria. So is it Aram or Syria? Well, Aram is the Hebrew denote for Syria. So it's both. It's the Hebrew sees Syria denotes as Aram. So sometimes we talk about the, uh, we talk about the Assyrians, uh, or we're talking about the, uh, the Armenians, I mean the Arameans. Uh, one in the same, they're, they're all the same. So the king of Aram at this time is Ben-Hadad. 
And he just wants to come and take over the northern kingdom. The king of Israel at this time is Joram. Now, it may say Jehoram in some, but we call him Joram. Uh, some versions do that to differ between the other Jehoram that's in the southern kingdom. So, Ben-Hadad is after Joram. Little schoolboy skittish fight. And um, if you know Bible history, I need to point this out. Because it's a little strange, if you know your history, why the king of Aram is coming after Israel. Because just two chapters ago, just two chapters ago, we read how the commander of the Aram army, the Aram army, was healed of leprosy. And Naaman, the commander with leprosy, goes to the prophet Elisha, who is in Israel, and he is healed. Now, you think there would be some appreciation on behalf of the king of Aram for the man of God from Israel healing his commander and army in chief, but there's not. And if you go back a few more years, it was Joram's father, Ahab, who literally spared the king's life of Aram, Ben-Hadad. Ahab said on the base of a treaty, I will set you free. I will set you free. He's talking to Ben-Hadad. So they made a treaty with him and he let him go. How many know we can learn a lot from history? We can learn. We look back and we can learn a lot from history. And you say, well, why is this historical point important in this passage of scripture? Because of this, we learn a very important spiritual lesson here. No one should ever make worldly alliances or make concessions with the enemy of your soul. No one can ever, no one can never make worldly alliances or make concessions with the enemy of your soul. Why? Because he's never satisfied. He's never content. He's seeking to endeavor to destroy every child of God he can. And though, though you make a treaty with him, it's never going to last. And that's what we see taking place here with Aram. They just want to come after Israel. So now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. And Ben-Hadad, after conferring with all his officers... They decided, hey, there's some weak areas in that northern kingdom. Up in Israel, there's some weak places. And, and what we should do is establish these sneak attacks. We should set these little ambushes. And it's kind of funny that the writer doesn't even know the places. I will set up camps in such and such a place. That's how, it was such a big secret in such and such a place. We'll go set up and we'll have this sneak attack. And will take Israel by surprise. So as Ben-Hadad the king was planning all this. Who knows everything? God. God is telling Elisha. The man of God. All that Ben-Hadad was planning on doing. So what does Elisha do? 
Elijah goes and he informs the king. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of the passing that place because the Arameans are, are going to be down there. So every time Ben-Hadad sets up this secret plan of attack, Elijah knows about it, tells the king, and the king can prepare himself that they're not taken by surprise. And scripture says that this took place time and again. Over and over, Elijah would warn the king of Israel about these planned attacks of Aram. Of course, now that becomes very frustrating to the king of Aram. Every time he has a sneak attack, Israel finds out about it. What's he thinking? There's a spy in the camp. There's a traitor. There's someone who's informing from my camp, Israel, and the king starts to try to find out who it is. As he searches for the sneak, the tattletale, the traitor, one of his officers say, none of us, my lord and king, it's, it's none of us. It's Elijah, the prophet who is in Israel. He tells the king of Israel the very words you even speak in your bedroom. Now, how would an officer know this? Perhaps, maybe it was Naaman who experienced the power of God in his healing and knew that Elijah was a man of God, connected to God. Well, when Ben-Hadad hears of this, he knows he needs to get rid of the problem. And he sends spies out into the land to find out where Elisha is. And they find out Elisha is in a place called Dothan. Dothan is the place where Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. So when they find out that Elisha is in Dothan, King Behadad takes horses, chariots, a strong force, and they march there by night, and they surround the city. Do you see it? Elisha in the town of Dothan, surrounded by the enemy. No way out. Maybe some of you here today feel just like Elijah at this point. The problem, the difficulty, the circumstance surrounds you. You're between a rock and a hard place and, and there seems to be no way out. And you just don't know what to Well, I want to talk about a fearful servant. When the servant of the man of God, now this is not Elisha, this is Elisha's servant, got up and went out early the next morning. He probably went out for the Dothan Daily Times in a paper, probably. He goes out the front door and before getting his coffee and paper, he's taken by surprise. For all around the city, 
is the Aramean army with horses and chariots and swords. To the north and to the east, to the south and to the west. Totally surrounding him. His, he breaks out in a cold sweat. His heart starts to palpitate. He, he, he runs inside. My, 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 my Lord, my, what shall we do? And there's some of you in a circumstance even this day asking, what should I do? Because there seems to be no way out. And Elisha, the man of God, says these words. Don't be afraid. What do you mean don't be afraid? You didn't see what I... Come come here. If, If you saw what I saw, you wouldn't say don't be afraid. And Elijah says, don't be afraid. Have you ever noticed that in the word of God, some of the most preposterous, absurd, ridiculous things have been said while things are escalating? Why this army has gathered just willing and anxious to annihilate, destroy, conquer, divide up the spoils, licking at their chops, just waiting for the commander to say, attack. For these strong forces to... File in upon Dothan to get Elisha. Elijah says, Don't be afraid. Now, some of you know me very well. You've been here for many years and you know who I am. Some of you are don't really know me that well. And and probably after just bearing my soul, you'll get a burden to pray for your pastor more. (laughs) And those who know me well know that I'm a little crazy already, but I want to share something very personal with you. I have a worry box. Now, some of you can't even identify with a worry box because you never worry. But some of you can identify with a worry box. Come on. Yeah, thank you for your honesty. Yeah. Let me tell you something about my worry box. My goal has always been to get it empty. But here's what happens. As soon as I diminish a worry, hey, Aaron, have you checked your oil in your car yet? Yeah, Joseph checked the other day. I replace it 
with another worry. Have you cleaned your filter in your furnace lately? Oh. That's why I ask so many questions. So then I replace it with another one. And my worry box is always full. And then a phone call comes in. Or I'm talking to somebody. And all of a, all of a sudden I have a few more worries. So I take out some insignificant worries. So I can fill it up with these new worries. Come on, some of you are laughing because you're identifying with exactly what I'm saying. And others are thinking, I feel sorry for you, Pastor. And as this is what's so crazy, when these new worries start to diminish and, and disappear, then I'll go back to the insignificant worries and start filling up my box again. Oh, what a wretched man I am! You're not, thank you, Libby. And I realize that half of my worries, three quarters of my worries, 98.99% of my worries, I never have to worry about. But someone has to care. And because I care, I worry. And that's what I tell myself. No, I worry. Because you want control. And that's when I have to take my worry box. And I have to place the word of God over it. Because I know there is one who's in control of all things. And those of you who have a worry box, you may want to take some of these scriptures down. Here's what's been a help to me. Remember when Moses was leading the Israelites out of Egypt? And they get to the Red Sea. And all of a sudden, the Egyptians decide, oh, we shouldn't let them go. And here are the Israelites once again, like Elijah in Dothan, nowhere to go, surrounded. The Red Sea, the Egyptians are coming in behind them, and it's like, oh no, they're trapped. There's nowhere to go. And Moses tells them, don't be afraid. Easy for you to say, don't, what are we going to walk on water? What don't be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. What God was telling Moses, God says, I have foresight. And I'm telling you, even though you do not see it, the Egyptians you see, there's coming a day when you're not going to see them any longer. There's coming a moment. There's coming a second when I part the Red Sea and you walk through it and the Egyptians start to follow and I close in the Red Sea. You will not see them anymore. God sees beyond what we can see. And that's what I tell myself. I just, I, I just found out someone down in Florida had COVID. And, and this is what I typed to them. 
Though COVID besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though symptoms break out against me, even then I will be confident. You got it? Though an army, take out army and whatever is plaguing you at the time. Though fear besiege me, my heart will not fear. Those rumors and gossips break out all against me, even then will I be confident. And my always go-to verse is Deuteronomy 32. You've heard me say it so many times. He is the rock. His works are perfect. All his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and just is he. Who's in control? Therefore, I don't have to worry. Easier said than done. And you know what we're really good at? We're really good at memorizing scripture verses. But we don't get the full meaning of them because we take them out of context. Probably one of the scripture verses we all know so well is Romans 8, 28. God works all things together for good. Doesn't he, Dave? God works all things together for good. To those who love the Lord, to those who are called according to his purpose. And I'm called according to his purpose. I love the Lord. So therefore, all these things are working good. And then it goes on. For those who God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Sometimes God allows us to go through things so that he can conform us more into his image. And sometimes it's not pleasant, but the end result is good. For those who God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into God's image. For those who God predestined He also called. And for those he called, he has justified. And for those he has justified, he has also glorified. And then this next verse says, what then shall we say in response to all this? What shall we say into God works all things together for good and he conforms us in his image and he justifies us and he calls us and he glorifies us? What shall we say in response to all this? If God is before us, who can be against us? And of course, 1 John 4, 4. Dear children, you are from God. And you have overcome them, the, the evil ones. Because the one who's in you is greater than the one who's in the world. And Elijah says to his servant, Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, you talk about a confused servant. Those who are with us, one, two, are more than those who are with them. And and I'm sure that Elijah saw the puzzle upon his face. And Elijah says, oh, Lord, open his eyes that he can see. And one of the things that have helped me with my worry box is this prayer. Lord, 
open my eyes that I may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked out. And there beyond the army of Aram is another army surrounding them with horses and chariots of fire called the army of God. And all of a sudden, his eyes were open. And as he saw into the supernatural, he saw the army of God. All of a sudden, he realized, I don't have to be afraid when we can see beyond the natural into the supernatural and see the armies of God. Do you know what this book tells me? This book tells me that there's a host of angels watching over us. Therefore, we do not need to be afraid. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open my spiritual eyes that I may see beyond the difficulties. Open the eyes, open my spiritual eyes that I may see beyond the enemy and, and, and the evil one. Open the, my, my, the eyes of my, open my spiritual eyes that I can look beyond the hindrances and, and, and the hardships, that I can look beyond the, the indifferences, the obstacles. Open the eyes of, of my spiritual eyes that I can look beyond the limitations. Open my spiritual eyes that, that I can see beyond myself. Open my eyes, Lord. And it's as his eyes were open. He becomes one with Elijah. Faith is being sure of what we hope for. And certain of what we do not see. Faith says this, even though God doesn't seem to be doing anything, my faith is certain that he is doing something, even though I don't see it because in the supernatural he's doing something. And we need to walk by faith. Even when we do not see it, faith is certain of what we do not see, that God is working on our behalf. Yeah, I'm gonna. I have one more illustration, but I'll save it to the end. So, how does this story end? The eyes of Elijah's servant are opened, and as that army approaches, we're going to talk about a courageous man of God. As that entire army comes towards Elijah in Dothan, Elijah prays, "Strike!" These people with blindness. And the whole army becomes blind. Just like Elijah asked. And can you imagine an army ready to attack and conquer and divide up the spoils? And all of a sudden now they, they can't see. And Elijah says, This is not the road. And this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you're looking for. 
And some of you think, well, wasn't he looking for Elijah? No, Elijah just stood in the way of who the king was really looking for. Joram, the king of Israel. So here is Elijah, the man of God. How many can visualize? Some people can't visualize, some people can. Just visualize with us for a minute. Here is the man of God leading this whole army that's totally blind to Samaria. <laughs> and you say, what's the big deal? The big deal is Dothan is 14 miles away from Assyria. That's at the, at the least five, five hours walk, maybe five to seven hours walk. For five to seven hours, his, his army just totally being led in the dark by the man of God. And can you imagine coming into Syria? Here, one man has conquered an entire army because he saw the invisible. <laughs> and they get to the city. And Elijah says, open their eyes so these men can see. And the Lord opened their eyes. And all of a sudden, this army sees the two men, Elijah and the king of Israel, Joram, standing there before him. And Joram says, should we divide and conquer? And Elijah says, no, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And they have a feast. He marches the enemy into Samaria, and they're having a feast. And when the meal's over, Elijah just says, okay, guys, you, it's time to leave. Go ahead. And that stopped the skirmish. Well, for a while. Pastor Bonnie, you can come. Next week, we're going to talk about a ridiculous prediction. It's got to be one of my, I got to say, it's got to be one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. A ridiculous provision, I mean, prediction. But as we close this morning, maybe you can identify with Elijah's servant. who just got up one morning and wasn't expecting anything and was hit with bad news. Maybe something this week or this month, this season, you, you've been hit with something. And it seems like the enemy has surrounded you. And you feel trapped. People tell you, don't be afraid, but you, yeah, I'm afraid, Pastor, you don't know. In a minute, we're going to sing, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. And, and this is what I have found, that when your eyes are open to the supernatural, you become courageous. And I believe there are people here that need to be courageous this day. Maybe you're surrounded in a situation that seems there's no way out. You are worrying 
and they're afraid. And like Elijah's servant, need your eyes to be open to see beyond. Need your eyes open to see beyond the difficulty, beyond the circumstance, beyond the frustrations. Lord, I need my spiritual eyes open. I, I need to be encouraged. I, I need to see you working in the supernatural. I, I need, even though you don't, I feel like you're doing nothing, I need to know that you're doing something. Open the eyes. Open my spiritual eyes. As we begin to sing this song, if this is a, a prayer that, hey, don't be embarrassed. I, I've prayed it many times and I'm standing right here with you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the altar. I just want you to stand from where you're seated. If you need to ask the Lord to open your spiritual eyes concerning a situation in your life. As we begin to sing, it's a desire that you need your spiritual eyes open to a situation. Just stand and sing this song with me. And as you proclaim and sing it, I pray that you would get visions and revelations of the supernatural. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I need to see you. I need to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see Lord, I pray that you would start opening these eyes, these who have been courageous to stand who need their spiritual eyes open concerning a dire need situation. God, I pray right now that you would open spiritual eyes. Let them see beyond the natural. Let them see the supernatural. Let them see you actively involved in their life, working beyond what they can even think or ask. God, give them a faith right now that they are certain beyond what they can see. What they can see in the natural says there's no hope, but in the spiritual says there is hope, God. Right now, give spiritual sight to the blind. Open our eyes. Come on, one more time. Open the eyes. Open the eyes. Oh, God, I want to see you. Open the eyes. 